Well, praise the Lord. Glad that you're here with us today. We are on a series of lessons called A Man in Christ. I think this is our fourth week, and we've been talking about it, that we're going to be having this whole series go on probably probably the entire summer. Uh, it is just such a, a, a revelation, a revolutionary teaching that I believe that we're going to dig down, dig deep, dig long, dig wide, dig broad, dig, dig, dig until we just can't dig anymore and find out more and more about what this phrase means. We, we looked at several weeks ago, uh, our jumping off scripture was 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through one through 4, really 2 through 4, where Paul says, I know a man in Christ, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He, he was caught up to the third heaven. He says, I, I know this man, I know such a man, that, that he heard inexpressible things that weren't lawful for a man to utter. I, I know a man. I know a man in Christ. And we, we've talked about weeks ago that that phrase in Christ or in him or in whom is used about 120 to 140 times in the New Testament, telling you that who God says you are is now who you are. You and I need to identify ourselves as men, as women. When we say a man in Christ, it's generic. It's a man or, or a woman, a person in Christ. When, when now my life, when I said yes to Jesus and, and he came and he saved me and like we sang the song, he, he raised me and he filled me with the Holy Spirit. He, you know, thank God for all that. But now I've got to find out who I am. <laughs> who, 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 who do I belong to? What, 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 what do I have access to now? Paul used this phrase, a man in Christ. And we've used this scripture as a jumping off point for this entire series of lessons that are that, that exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was caught up to the third heaven. He was caught up to paradise. He was caught up in the presence of God in a very spectacular way. He had a vision. I haven't had a vision. Maybe you haven't had a vision. But we got a vision of the scripture now. It tells us who we are. He was caught up there and he saw things and he heard things. Uh, he, he understood some things as Jesus, the head of the church, was talking to him in this place of heaven. He did stay there. He came back down, thank God, and he wrote so many uh, of these letters to the church. Corinthians and Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Timothy T tells us now who you are, what you have access to, what belongs to you in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But if we don't understand it, 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 just because it's yours, if you don't understand it and you don't walk in it, you don't get the benefit of it. And so my desire for all of us is that we would continually Listen, we continually have ears to hear. We continually be open to understanding more and more of what we have access to. Like I say it this way, what we have the right to. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested, you know, I read stuff just like you read stuff. And I'm always, I, I, I kind of get my, 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 my blood pressure boils a little bit when I see like this past week, somebody went away from their house. They were out of their house for three months and they came back and there was a squatter in their house that took over, quote-unquote, ownership of their house, broke in their house, changed the locks, and said, I've been here for three months. This house now belongs to me. Well, excuse me while I get my gun. Come on, somebody, I'm just poking my back. just saying, you, you, you know, you, you in my house. Come on, you up in here in my house. You, you up in here in my house. I, I, I got the property deed on the house. I pay the note on the house. The house is in my name. I don't care who you are. Listen to me, it belongs to me. I know it's mine. And when it comes to natural things, we could fight a little bit and we could win, all that. But when it comes to spiritual things, you need to have the same tenacity. This is who I am. This is what God says I have access to. This is who he calls me. So this must be who I am in Christ. 
Can I get an amen in the house? What we found out last week, we're going to go one more time this week, and we're going to talk about the Old Testament a little bit versus the New Testament. We're going to look and we're going to major mainly in just two different portions of Scripture from Hebrews 9 and Hebrews chapter 10 because it's huge. A man in Christ in the New Testament thought is not found in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament thought. It's a New Testament thought. A man in the Old Testament law or a man under the Old Testament law is not the same as a man in Christ. It's not the same. And so I said this last week or the week before, if you spend all your time reading the stories of the Old Testament, which we need to, we need to. If you spend all your times reading the Psalms, which we need to. If you spend all your times thinking about David and Goliath and Moses and the Red Sea and Exodus and bread and manna and quail coming in, and you need to read those stories. But if you don't read and find out from the New Testament, reading through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and making your way now into the epistles, you will have a thwarted view and a, and, and a diminished Christianity because you will not live in a continual cycle of victory. And God wants you to have victory over yourself, over the flesh. You definitely have victory over the devil and over his, his demons and over lies and strategies and assignments of the enemy. But if you don't know it, you'll always be subject to his interference in your life. And God wants you to walk in the victory. Now, thanks be to God, who always causes me to triumph in Christ, Paul says, and manifests through me the knowledge of him in every place I go. Do you have constant triumph in your life? Are you triumphing over the flesh? Are you triumphing over old thoughts? Are you triumphing over the, the, the renegade spirit and culture of the world? Or are you under the dominion of the accuser? If you are, listen to me, you're operating only, saved only under an Old Testament thought where you're trying to fight and fight the Goliaths of your life, not realizing Jesus Christ already beat Goliath for me. It doesn't mean you don't fight, but you fight differently. You fight differently. The main difference from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we're going to talk about today for just a moment, is really blood. Blood. And we'll talk about that. The blood in the Old Testament versus the blood in the New Testament. Under the Old Covenant, look on the screen here. Under the Old Covenant, the blood of animals covered their sin but never changed the root cause. In the Old Covenant, Moses set up the priesthood, and the priests, these, these men would go in, and, and people would bring sacrifices, and animals were slaughtered. You read it if you read the Old Testament. And, and, and lambs and, and goats and, and heifers, and they were slaughtered. And their blood was shed to then atone or cover the people's sins. But their sin, and we'll talk about this, it never addressed the root cause. This is Old Testament. Old Testament. But uh, under the New Covenant, here's the difference. Uh, under the New Covenant, it was the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that didn't just cover our sin, but removed our sin by giving us a new nature. In the New Testament, 
Jesus just didn't cover your sin. He completely removes your sin. This is so misunderstood in Christianity that our new nature, listen to me, our new nature as a believer, as a Christian, is the same nature, the same DNA, and the same spirit as God's. You don't have a different Holy Spirit. You have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6.17, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You're joined to him. You're one spirit. Come on, say that with me. I am one spirit with the Lord. Listen, my, my passion, my prayer for you is that you would think this way. I'm one spirit with the Lord. God speaks to me spirit to spirit. As Kimberly said earlier, he's not just speaking to my head. He's speaking to my heart. There's a knowing inside my born-again spirit. I've said yes to Jesus. He speaks to me. There's a knowing between my, my heart and my head, my spirit and my head. As I renew my mind with the Word of God, as I find out who I am and what He wants me to do and His purpose for my life, and I'm, I'm ordering my life that way, definitely not perfect, but my pursuit is moving forward in what He wants for my life, that He's now speaking to me, He's leading me, He's guiding me. He's directing me. He's he's giving me an intuition to do this, to not do this, to engage with that person. Don't engage with that person. Cut that off from my life or or bring that into my life. He's going to continually lead me and guide me by my spirit on the inside. Can somebody say amen? amen? But listen to me. If all you do, if all we do is identify with the old covenant, we cannot get New covenant results. If all we do is, un, uh, is, is like, like I've heard so many times, forgive me, uh, Psalms 51, uh, David's prayer, beautiful prayer, but it's an Old Testament prayer. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. I've heard people at the altar pray that. Take not away your Holy Spirit from me. What? What? That's Old Testament. Created me a clean heart. I thought he put his spirit within me. I thought I'm one spirit with him. How could his spirit need to be clean if he gave me the very same spirit? I'll be thinking different. I'll be praying different. I'll be believing different. And I won't get New Testament results. A man or a woman in Christ is going to come from the Old Covenant, Old Testament, and come through the Gospels and find out now who I am because Jesus is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. A man in Christ is operating out of a new creation reality and identity. The old covenant, we said, is looking forward to the Messiah. The new covenant is looking back at what Jesus did. 
Old Covenant again, looking forward to what the Messiah would do as king, as Lord, as, as the coming, coming one? Absolutely. But now the New Covenant, I'm looking back to the cross, what he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. This is what a man or a woman in Christ will focus and function in and have their life and their identity surrounded in. I'm not trying to be. I'm not praying one day to be good enough to be. I'm not hoping to be. No, no, no. Right now, I am a new person in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Listen, regardless of what you do, listen, regardless of what you do or don't do, that is who you are. One more time. Regardless of what you do or don't do, that is just who you are. That is your identity. You might not know about it. You might not know. Maybe you're just finding out some things right now. You might not be walking in the revelation of it. But you are right now, when you said yes to Jesus, you are right now a new and a different kind of person. Come on, somebody say amen. Yeah. And that's the, that's the trouble with most Christians, because most Christians go through and say, well, I thought I was, but I did this. No, you are this. You, you are a new person in Christ. You are a new man in Christ. You are forgiven. You are righteous. You are justified. You are redeemed. Come on, somebody. You're bought. That's who you are. God is your father. Yes, he is. He has not removed his spirit from you. He has not cast you away. This is who you are. But the devil is trying to mess with your feelings and emotions. And again, a man in Christ, and we'll find out next week as we start unpacking it a little bit more. You have to understand the New Testament, again, because it's not an Old Testament thought. The Old Testament does not tell us this. But the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit, a born-again spirit, a child of God on the inside. All things have been made new on the inside, not on the outside. I still got to deal with my soul. I am a spirit. I have a soul, a mind, will, emotions, intellect, thinking, reasoning, and I live in a body. And the two parts of my life that are going to continually try to jack me up is my soul and my body. My feelings and my emotions and my, my desires and, and, and things, if I'm not feeding my spirit and all I'm doing is feeding my soul or feeding my flesh, my spirit will be emancipated, or excuse me, uh, emaciated, whatever, shrinked up, whatever that word is. It's going to be small. It won't be what God wants me to be. And the ascendancy of, of my life, of my soul and my body will rule over me and dominate me. And that is where the devil will have his play day in my life. So I've got to come back to the word. I've got to find out who I am. I've got to find out what Christ has done for me. I've got to find out what his plan is for my life. Let's look at what the scripture starts telling us in the book of Hebrews and how we can get out of this cycle. Hebrews chapter 9. We helping out anybody this morning? Come on. All right. Hebrews 9, 24. Look what it says. Nor It says, for Christ has entered into heaven itself to appear now before God as our friend. One translation says to help us or on our behalf. 
It, it was not in the earthly place of worship that he did this, for that was merely a copy of the real temple in heaven. We, we know from the Old Testament that there was this thing called the tabernacle that God told Moses to build. It was a portable tent. They went from place to place. And then, then when, when Solomon, David's son, he, he, David got all the money together and actually built a permanent location called the temple. God's presence was there. Come on, we see the glory of God there. They have sacrifices there. But, but notice the first part of this verse that tells us Christ has entered into heaven itself, the, the, the real heaven. Not, not, not just heaven on earth with the temple and the tabernacle, but he, he, he's, uh, he's now in heaven. And what's he doing there? He, he's appearing now before God as our friend. <laughs> as our friend, this translation says. Now let me ask you a question. If we want a street corner in the room this morning, if, if, if I asked you, you know, is Jesus your friend? Is God your friend? I, I was on a bike yesterday with some, with, with some guys, and we were climbing up this hill and started having a conversation with a guy. And he said, well, you know, the hill was getting tough. It was getting tough. And so he knows I'm a pastor. We're good friends. And he says, he says well, you know, you, you know th this hill kind of feels like the judgment of God. <laughs> and I said, and brother, I said, you must not know my God. Because my God loves me. And my God, he's given me strength to get over this hill. Come on, somebody. And so we had an interesting conversation going up the hill. So, so just look on the screen here for a second. Jesus or God, here's a thought. Jesus or God as your friend is a new covenant thought. Do you think this way? Do you really believe that God and Jesus is your friend? If you don't believe this, you're under an old covenant thought. How could God ever love me? How could God ever be my friend? That you're constantly trying to get God's approval or acceptance or somehow you're thinking, if I do one thing wrong, it's all over. God's always going to be out to get me. Man, how do you view God? You got to ask yourself these questions. How do, how do you view God? Is he waiting to bust you or is he waiting to bless you? Is, 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 he, is, is he when you come home and he's just got his arms out ready for a hug or he's got his arms out, that one arm out, and he's getting ready to slap you upside the head? People's view of God. Maybe your view. Maybe your view. It's not a right view of who God is, not who God is. Um, I was thinking this past week how to just say it in an easy way, and I'm thinking this. You belong with God. Here it is. You belong with God. In other words, your family. You belong with God, your family. And you belong to God. You're bought with a price. Listen to me. Everybody in the room that's made Jesus the Lord of your life, you belong with him. You're family. And you're not just family. Listen to me. Not just family that we got to put up or tolerate. No, you belong to him. He actually, Jesus actually died on the cross for you. You belong to God. So I got I, I to change the way I think. He wants me. I'm family. He loves me. I, I, I'm, I'm a friend of God. Come on, we sang that song years ago, Israel Houghton, whatever. I'm a friend of God. Come on, we sang it like, like a thousand different times. I'm a friend of God. People, I am a friend of God. And then you go home and go, God's going to kill me. Come on, somebody. That's just not right. 
That's wrong thinking. And wrong thinking, again, in the old covenant, they do something, earth's going to open up. Well, you know, that earth opened up over Korah, swallowed all them people. Because, well, you know, as soon as if you rebel, if you, if you just kind of look at sideways of God, or you don't show up at church, you don't read the, this happened because I've had people I'm praying with. And they said, well, you know, I think this happened because I didn't read my Bible yesterday. And I'm going, really? You didn't read your Bible yesterday, so God's all of a sudden judging you? What kind of warped father is that? That's not what the Bible says. Look what it says in verse 26, verse 25, Hebrews 9, 25. It says, nor has God, Jesus, offered himself again and again. Jesus didn't offer himself again and again as a high priest down here on earth offers animal sacrifices in the Holy of Holies each year. Look at verse 26. It says, if that had been necessary... The high priest had to do that again and again. If Jesus had to do that again and again, offer himself again and again, uh, ever since the world began, no, no, no he says, he, he came once for all. Jesus came once for all. At the end of the age, to put away the power of sin forever by dying for us. Notice the last phrase, that Jesus came at the end of the age. It's interesting, those, that, that phrase, at the end of the age, uh, to put away the power of sin forever by dying for us. The power of sin, the hold and dominion of the sin nature over every born-again Christian's life has already been destroyed. It's been broken. So the question would be, do you have a sinner mindset or a saint mindset? Do you look at your life through the filter, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Or do you look at your life, I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm a child of God, been saved by his grace. It says here that he put away the power of sin. Well, let's talk about that. He didn't put away the power of just sins. He put away the power of sin. This is the nature of sin. This is the propensity of sin. This is the I want to sin. This is I want to do what's wrong. I don't want to go the right way. I don't want to live the right way. I don't want to follow God's path. He put away the power of the sin nature in every born-again men and woman's heart. Inside you, there is now a desire to want to please God, to want to follow God, to want to do what God wants. It's inside everybody in the room, online. Whether you're walking in it or not, it is there. If you'll feed it, it will grow. If you feed it, you'll see more of it. If you feed it, you'll hear more of it. If you feed it, you'll want more of it. Come on, everybody. Yeah. The old covenant could not take away the problem of the sin nature. It only covered their sin. It only atoned for their sin. Jesus just didn't atone or cover your sin. He completely removed the nature inside you and me to want to sin. This is huge. It's all about and from Jesus' blood. So let me say this. If a Christian, and this happens all the time, but if a Christian keeps reminding you of a sin that you committed 
they haven't learned the power of the new covenant. If somebody keeps reminding you of what you've done or what you said or, or the error, or be, be it how tragic or, or, or insignificant that you have done, they're operating, you can, you can re readily see, they're operating under an old covenant. The new covenant is now going to tell you if you confess your sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Amen. He'll do things for you when you say, Father, forgive me. He just won't. And, and you admit and you come clean and say, Father, I'm repenting. I, I, I said this. I did this. I looked at this. I, 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 I went crazy there for a minute. Father, forgive me. He'll cleanse you of that and all unrighteousness, things you don't even know you did. Come on, everybody. It's amazing what he'll do. But if, you, if, if, if you're the person, listen to me, let's talk to us in the room and online. If you're the person who's reminding somebody that you love, your kids, your spouse, your friends, your fellow church folk, of something that they've done in the past, you're operating under an old covenant. Because the Bible says, when I confess my sin... He forgives it, and he forgives it. He forgets, and he forgives. And that nature is in me and you. Now, there's a whole other thought we have to talk about with boundaries and things like that, if that's going on in your life. But as far as forgiving and not remembering and choosing, I'm going to live for God in this area, that is something entirely different. Remember in Revelation chapter 12 when um, John's on the Isle of Patmos and he has this revelation of who Jesus is and, and then he starts talking about in verse 9 through 11 about who, who, who the devil is and who this person was that got cast out of heaven. Do we have that, guys? we have that Hebrews chapter 12, or excuse me, Revelation 12, verse 9 through 11? Check this out. So the great dragon, th these are going to be descriptive words of who Satan is. The great dragon was cast out, cast out of heaven. The serpent of old, well, the serpent of old should take us all back to Genesis chapter 3. The serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Notice he's a dragon. He's the serpent. He's Satan. He's the devil who deceives. So here, here's, here's his tactics. He deceives who? The whole world. He was cast down to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan and his angels. And we know the book of Ezekiel, it says a third of the angels were cast down. Look what it says in verse 10. Then John says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God has come and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser. Okay, so we found out he's a, he's a deceiver and now he's an accuser, the accuser of our brethren who, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Day and night. And they overcame him. They overcame him. The serpent, the dragon, Satan, the devil, the deceiver, the accuser. They overcame him. How? By the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their lives unto death. The accuser, the deceiver, the devil, the Satan, the one who's trying to kill, steal, and destroy... Now that you have power and authority over, but still is one that will use people that, to try to accuse you and condemn you and try to convict you 
of a sin you already committed. But the Bible says his power has been broken in your life and how you overcome it, he tells us how you overcome. We overcome it. We overcome that thought. We overcome those words. We overcome that spirit by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen right there? But and, look, and the word of their testimony, the word of your testimony, you speaking what God says in his word about who he is to you, you speaking what God now declares you to be as a man or a woman in Christ. It's like what I heard Pastor T.D. Jake say one time. He said, you might have done what they said you did, but you're not who they say you are. Everybody in the room, including me, committed sins, committed something. But when you ask God to forgive you, you're cleansing the blood. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not trying to be, hoping to be, wanting to be, begging to be. It's who you are right now. Are you a saint who sometimes sins or are you a sinner who sometimes saints? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I know what the Bible says. The Bible says you're a saint. You're a believer. You're a child of God. You're born of him. You're the same spirit. Come on. You're, you're born of uh, his nature's inside of you. You, you. you have his love. You have his spirit. You have his peace. You have his power. You have his forgiveness. And I need to find out more and more what the word of God says about it so I can walk in the victory of it and overcome the accuser and the deceiver because him and a third of his angels are in this earth trying to mess with you and me, right? And if we don't feed ourselves more and more what the word of God says, we're never going to enjoy the benefit. So listen, if we're always trying to get Jesus to do something for you that, that, that he already did, uh, we're always trying to get him to do something. Lord, please, please. And we're, we're praying and we're begging. Please, 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 please. We're trying to beg him for something he already did. You're operating an old covenant and you won't see any New Testament results. Zero. 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 The Bible says, and we'll read it in just a moment, something entirely different that is so unique to the Christian experience that is unique in any other religion in the world is that God tells us that now he wants to commune with you and me. He wants to be with you again. God is my friend. Let's read some scripture. Can we do that? Come on, we've got a few more minutes this morning. Hebrews 10, verse 1. The old system, under the old system, under the law of Moses, it was only a shadow, only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come and not the good things themselves. So, so Old Testament, it was a shadow. It, it wasn't the reality, it was a shadow uh, of, of the things that were coming. It says the sacrifices under that system, notice the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to, to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Under the Old Testament, nobody could ever be perfectly cleansed. That should clue you in. If I couldn't get it then, evidently I have it now. I'm perfectly cleansed, not by the blood of animals, but by the blood 
of Jesus Christ. Come on. Under the old covenant, again, under the old covenant, the thought was, the thought was that, that what you did was who you were. That what you did was who you were. That, that, that if you sinned, that, that was just who you were. That the sin was now your identity. That is not who you are now in Christ. Your identity is not committed, not, not now identified with the sin that you committed. Your identity is now, I'm a, I'm a new person in Christ. That's old system. That's, that's the old system. That, that's not this system now. So if I'm reading the Bible and all I'm doing is finding out and reading Old Testament and not again finding out what the Scripture says has been provided for me, I'll be standing on a fence between two, between two places and I'll get blown. I, listen, I'm going to get blown away to what my flesh says. I'm going to get blown away to what, what I'm feeling and my emotions. I'm not going to get blown towards God and his will in my life. My flesh is going to dominate me if I'm not finding out what he's done for me. That's our prayer for you in this church, is that you find out more and more if that's what he said, regardless of what I feel, regardless of what I see, regardless of how long I've been in, in, in this thing called Christianity. It is just who I am, so I'm going to order my life, I'm going to order my thought, I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to act on it. I'm going to yield to who he says I am. Yeah. Yeah. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 2. Let's read it one more time. If they could have, Old Testament, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they would have never stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt, notice this, their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. In the Old Testament, nothing changed. Yeah, the sin was covered, but they still thought, I can't be right with God. Every time, the sacrifice, they'd bring the sacrifice. Month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And internally, no change. But now, we know in Christ, it's totally different. Verse 14 tells us this. For by that one offering, I love it. By that one offering, he forever made perfect. He completely cleansed. He consecrated. He set you free from sin, those who are being made holy. Do you realize God looks at you as holy? Be holy, for I am holy. We have the ability to walk holy, pure, righteous in his sight because of the blood of Jesus. Can anybody say amen? amen. And then just wrapping it up this morning, Paul says, or who, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know exactly who wrote it, but he says in verse 14, Hebrews 4, 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, who is passed through the heavens, and he tells us who it is, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Hold fast what confession? What, what confession? Confession means to say the same thing. Hold fast the confession to say the same thing that God says about you. You're forgiven. You're delivered. You're blessed. You're accepted. You're chosen. 
You're called. You're redeemed. You're sanctified. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, not beneath. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. God surrounds you. He's given his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. Say what God says. Hold fast to your confession. Don't, don't say what, what it looks like. Don't say what it feels like. Hold fast to your confession. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Say what God says. Not what it looks like. Not what it feels like. Be anxious for nothing. <laughs> I'm going to say what God says. If you say be anxious for nothing in everything. <laughs> Don't look at what it feels like. Don't look at what it looks like. Look at what, look at what I say in my word about you and the situation. Have my eyes there. Feed that. Walk in that. And you're going to find out you will start growing more and more as a man or a woman in Christ. You'll walk in more love, more peace, more joy, more provision. You'll start seeing the hand of God, favor of God working in your life in unusual ways. Just because you're finding out more and more who he is. So he says, hold fast to that confession. And he tells us in verse 15 and 16, check it out. For we do not have a high priest, verse 15, who cannot sympathize with us. I love this. In all of our weaknesses, but he, this is Jesus now, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows exactly what it is and what it means to go through the human experience because he went through it for you and me. He was tempted at all points. He understands your weaknesses. He understands the, the, the susceptibility of, of, of sin in your life and the, and the deception of the devil and, and the accuser. I mean, it, it, you do realize this, that, that Jesus as God, he actually created Satan and all the angels. He understands the deceptiveness and he understands his, what he's trying to do to you and me. And he humbled himself and took on flesh, Philippians 2 says, and became a man. So he knows exactly the human experience. And he knows now if you and I will identify with him as a man or a woman in Christ, what we can walk in, that we can walk in authority and the power over the wicked one, that we can surrender to him and find out and renew our minds to what he says and begin walking in victory after victory after victory. And he tells us, Lastly, in verse 16, let us come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Just hold fast your confession. Hold fast your confession, verse 14. Verse 15, why? Because he, he, he knows your weakness. He, he knows your susceptibility to, to the attack of the enemy. And so he tells us, come boldly now. Listen, come boldly. Come boldly to the throne room of grace. He didn't say, come begging, come whining, come crying, come bawling. No, come boldly. Come boldly. Come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace. To do what? That you could obtain, receive mercy, and find grace to help you in a time of need. Listen to me. Last thing I'll tell you this morning. How you come, how you come, boldly or sheepishly, to the throne of grace reveals what covenant you're operating and standing in. 
If you're coming to God like, dear God, you don't even want me around here. We've got a scripture in Luke 15 about a dude named a prodigal son who took his father's inheritance, took it and said, I want what rightfully belongs to me and went out and, pardon me, spent it on hookers and drugs. Riotous living. And when he had the end of it, he said, what am I doing here? It says, when he came to himself, he said, I'm going back home. I'm going to beg my dad. I'm going to beg him. Just make me a hired servant. And the Bible says, his dad saw him a long way off and ran to him. Would you ever get the thought that God is running with grace and mercy to you? He's not running trying to hurt you. He's running to try to bless you. And when that son came, come on, dad put a robe on him. Come on, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, restored him back in fellowship. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on. So we're going to come boldly. Come on, everybody. Come on, stand up this morning. We come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain. Notice, evidently, we can obtain something. You know you got it. We can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Where do you need God's mercy? Where do you need God's grace? Listen to me. Come boldly to the throne of grace. He's there to give you freely, lavishly, because he's your friend. God loves you. He loves you. He proved his love for you in sending Jesus to the cross. So now a man or a woman in Christ stands confidently, listen to me, boldly, and yet the, the, the tension is humbly. 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 When my kids come to my house, they never ask, never, can I get something out of the refrigerator? It just belongs to them. Come on. If it's mine, it's yours. Especially the grandkids. Come on, come on, grandparents, right? Especially the grand, come on. Whatever you want, right? Whatever you want. It's there. If it's there, eat it, right? Belongs to you. Come boldly. Not like, Dad, can I, um... Do, do you need, can I mow the grass and then get something to eat? <laughs> Old Testament. I got to work for your approval. I got to work for you to answer my prayer. I've got to work for you to be generous to me. No, Jesus did it for me. He went to the cross for me. He paid the penalty for me. Now me, you, we come boldly to the throne of of grace, not judgment, to obtain mercy and grace to help us. One translation says it's appropriate help. It's well-timed help. It's the kind of help you need it when you need it help. Anybody in the room need any help this morning? Come on. In your family, with come on, hands raised all over the room. Father, we just thank you for well-timed help. Come on, let's come boldly to the throne of grace. Come on, just right now, just imagine yourself, you're coming boldly to the throne of grace. The Father's there, His arms are open wide to you. He's receiving you.
Lord God, we're coming this morning as men and women in Christ. Help us where we need help. Appropriate help, well-timed help. Help that we need right now. Father, we're asking you, we're asking you this week, use us to the people around us. Speak through us. Speak, speak to us, Lord God. Use us as we surrender our lives to you, Father. Men and women in Christ, under a new covenant, we find out more and more who we are, what we have access to, because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus that makes us righteous and we can have perfect fellowship with the Father in the name of Jesus. Can anybody in the room say amen? Come on, can you say amen a little bit bigger? Amen. Yeah. Wow. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their lives unto death. We're going to overcome the accuser, the devil himself, by what you say about who Jesus is. Let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable in the sight of God this week. Put a guard over your mouth. Put a watch over your heart that nothing enters and nothing exits that would speak contrary to who you are now in Christ. You're not weak. You're not confused. You're not damned. You're not under the judgment of God. Bad things don't happen in threes. God protects me. God keeps me. God heals me. God delivers me. God redeems me. He sets my feet on a high place. Come on. He makes mountains down. He raises valleys up. He makes crooked places straight. Come on. He takes rocks out of the way. That's our God. Come on, church. That's our God. That's our God. If he did it then, he'll do it now. As he is, so are we in this world. As he is, ruling and reigning and having dominion over the Father's works. I prophesy over your life this week that you walk in a new dominion, a new dimension of the glory of God. Come on, all over the room. A new dominion, a new dimension. The, the things of the enemy that have tried to dominate you, the accuser, the deceiver, the trickster, the swindler, the, the enemy of all of God and his will for your life, you're going to know what it is and you're going to see it and recognize it and say, not any more in my life in Jesus' name. And you're going to walk in a new way this week. Come on, I prophesy over your life. You're going to walk free from the fear. Come on, free from the anxiety, free from the depression, free from the attack of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our prayer partners are going to be up here at the end of the service. If you don't know Jesus or you're away from him, listen, if some of this stuff maybe has gone over your head and you go, man, I, I like it, I just don't maybe understand.